Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Jack Thompson, the throw-in Samoan, one of two WSU football players to have his jersey number retired. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Walker. Good to be here. Jack Thompson played for WSU in the 1970s. He was recruited by colleges during a day and age before social media. He has some fascinating stories about that process. Let's hear from him. Well, compared to nowadays, is relatively, how can I put it, mundane. Now with social media being the way it is, you have kids proactively sending out their huddle, you know, videos, whatever you call them. And, and uh, it's quite a process nowadays. And you know, back, back in the, the old days, you know, I just, we sat around and prayed that people would catch wind of us. However, you know, that would happen. It was more in, in my, in my days, it was more hearsay, you know, and, and it kind of gets through the pipeline and between coaches and, and recruiters. And so it was, it was a different, it was a different time, much more laid back. Okay, so I was doing, in doing some research, I noticed you had a 24-7 sports, the big recruiting website, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, made a profile for you and how you were recruited. So you were recruited by UW, Oregon State, and WSU. How did you end up at WSU? Oh, in Oregon. Did I say Oregon? I'm sorry. In, in Kansas State oh, and wow. University of Hawaii. Oh. I'm, I'm backfilling because, you know, I, the fact that they even had you know, that kind of background knowledge cracks me up. But yeah, I, I took trips to Oregon, Oregon State, UW, Washington State, and Hawaii. I had to take that trip, of course. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's Hawaii. It was, again, it was a fun process. And at the very end of the recruiting um, season, like two weeks before National Letter of Intent, I got, I got interest from Kansas State, of all things. And again, it was, that was like through the, I think the, the, coaches a pipeline you know i i think i turned down wyoming if i'm not mistaken and that assistant coach got you know had friend a friend in kansas state and they wanted to start throwing the ball and you know that's how i got to hear from them huh that's so random yeah it was very random it was a fun time even back in those days you know uh, taking the trip and it came down, my, my final two choices came to Washington State and Oregon. That's why I had to throw Oregon in there because I loved Oregon State. And, and there was a kind of a, a glitch with UW, but that, that's in my rearview mirror. Uh, Washington State and Oregon, the two coaches, they were in front of my house. Price was the assistant coach for Washington State at the time. He, he was recruiting me back when he was coaching at uh, University of Puget Sound. Wow. Yeah. And then he got the job at WCU and he was the one that, let Coach Sweeney know about me. The next thing you know, uh, they were recruiting me, and Coach Price was out front, and Coach Blackburn from University of Oregon was out front waiting for me to make my decision. It was, a, it was a morning, and I told him that I had to wait until my dad got home because he, wor- he, he worked nighttime okay. in, for Boeing, and he'd get home at like 7 o'clock, 7.30. And I made it a point to talk to him, the last person I talked to before I made my choice. Dad got home, and, and we had a... Pretty, it was a pretty quick discussion, and I said, so what do you think? And he goes, well, I don't know, son. You want to be a duck? You want to be a cougar? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly how you put it. And, and you know, you should have seen the face that, uh, you know, that he had when he said, a duck? Like, come on, get real, you know? Or a cougar. I said, okay, my decision's made then. That's hilarious. That's the, awesome. sad, the sad part of the, that, Walker, is that, you know, uh, Coach Blackburn, who was a good man, Carl Blackburn. Okay, he was he was out front. He was sitting out in his car, and I had to go to him and tell him that I chose to go to Washington State, and I thanked 
And, you know, it, it really got me teared up because I really liked him as a person. And, and Coach Don Reed was the head coach. And then I walked down and got Coach Price, who was parked at the end of the, the street, my recruiting day. Uh, well, you know, at least you went up and told him face-to-face because there are oh. recruits nowadays who will just send a message, oh, I'm not going to your school. I'm going here. So. Uh, you know, things have changed so much. And, and that's the, some for the, you know, for the good and some for the bad. I get trolled on when I say, you know, yeah, come on, get real, you know. But for me, it just, it hurts to see kids make a big profile out of it. And I, I guess, you know, that, that's, those are the days, you know, today. And, and, you know, they don't realize that, you know, coaches, their whole careers are made or broken by not, you know, getting or getting someone. And I, I just think that they should be treated with more respect than to be, you know, clowned. Oh, I, I agree with you. You know, and, and, you know, just being a man about it, you know, and, and, and don't lead people on I, that those, again, that's old school. I'm just, you know, again, remember I'm old school. No, I I'm fully with your mentality. I'm, I'm an old school mentality kind of guy. Yeah, so good. I can tell you're an old soul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm an old soul. <laughs> that's a good thing in my perspective. Thank you. I appreciate it. During your time at WSU, it was very prolific, a lot of accomplishments. But you had you had a unique situation. You had three head coaches. What was that? Four. Four. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Four. Yeah. What was that like? It was it was a fire drill almost every year. And you know, I, I said that Coach Sweeney was the one that recruited me, and I redshirted. So I had him my uh, my true freshman year, and then I got hurt, and then I redshirted, and then I played for him one year, and and that was a season '75, and. And I got to play some. I started the UCLA game that year. And then he quit, well, because of the, fa- the infamous uh, UW game. Um, it was terrible. We were ahead by uh, two touchdowns, and they came back with a minute and 35 seconds and beat us at UW. And Coach Sweeney was so depressed about it, he, re- he resigned. Oh. And at that time, I was on the bench with Mike Levenseller, uh, you know, an All-American wide receiver and Don Schwartz, uh, you know, a an NFL pick. You know, we're sitting, we're freshmen, and we were looking to transfer because I didn't think I'd see the light of day. And and yeah. then when Coach Sweeney retired, Levenseller, myself, Schwartz, we all said, "Hey, let's give it another shot." We're glad we did. But then we went to three consecutive new, you know, head coaches every year. And Jackie Sherrill, Warren Powers, and then Jim Walden was my senior year. Fortunately for Washington State, Jim. Coach Walden stuck around, and we needed him to stick around, and he did for nine years, I believe, and kind of gave back some stability, that much-needed stability. When you were playing football, did people just not throw the ball a lot because yeah, yeah, it was just a running league, basically? Oh, you know, you have no idea. Uh, back when I was playing, prominent offense was the triple option. Oh, wow. And the wishbone. Okay. So Air Force. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, like all the big schools, Oklahoma. I mean, look at Oklahoma now, right? Exactly. Um, Oklahoma. Quarterback U. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, Washington no. State University is quarterback U. Well, yeah. Let's get that straight. That's, that's my <laughs> bad. It was triple option. And Oregon State had the wishbone, believe it or not. And that's why I was wondering if I was ever going to see the light of day because uh, we, were, we didn't have the triple uh, – we didn't have the wishbone. We had a triple option. We had the Houston – Veer two back set and it, it you ran the triple option from that set and and it was uh, you know three yards in a cloud of dust days and then my sophomore year uh, my sophomore year Jack Jackie Sherrill came in and he just shook it up and said no we're gonna pass and you know I will tell you unequivocally that 
Washington State University changed the you know the pack back then it was the Pac eight became the Pac ten uh, my senior year, but we changed the way uh, you know the teams looked at at offense, and we went from that running game to all out passing game. We were at one time we we passed sixty two times in a game and that was like unheard of and we had uh, you know offensive sets that that had one one in the backfield and then then I did the shotgun we had that one guy Dan Dornick our our fullback he'd go in motion that was unheard of and that's you know that's what started the passing um, mentality in the pack in the pack 10 now the pack 12 it goes right back to that 1976 Cougar uh, Cougar team because we were moving the ball on defenses like USC that we never moved the ball on and we were and we were, we were having fun throwing the ball all over the place. Huh, I had no idea that's so interesting. You mentioned the Pac-8 becoming the Pac-10 and then eventually in 2011 becoming the Pac-12. Yep. And then in 1978 it was ASU and U of A, the Arizona schools. Yep. How did they impact the conference? Were they good to start off or were they just horrific? Well, no, they they weren't horrific. When they came in, Arizona State, you know, they were they were a well-known team okay. nationally. They were a, a national powerhouse and they had a coach named Frank Cush. And he was, I mean, he was lauded as a, a dictatorial type of coach, you know, and he, mm-hmm. he had teams that went 11, you know, 11 and 0. And, and, but I, I forget what, what conference they played in. And when they came into our, our, our conference, everyone thought that Arizona state was going to compete against USC. USC was the powerhouse then. Then right. uh, UW had flashes, but USC was the big uh, gun in the pack, the Pac-10. And but they said that um, ASU was going to come in and compete for uh, you know conference championship every year. And their first game in the Pac-10 was against us, and we played them back in uh, Joe Alvey Stadium in Spokane. And it was amazing because. We got on a roll. We killed them, 52-26, something like that. And um, and that was their first game in the Pac-10. Oh, that's awesome. And I think what happened was, you know, the rest of the uh, Pac-8 schools, the old Pac-8 schools, I think they sent cards of appreciation to Jim Walden and his coaching staff. You know, saying, oh. way to go, way to, you know, way to welcome them into the Pac-10, you know. And it, 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 it really kind of set the tone you know, for the rest of the Pac-8, ASU did not get a pass. Uh, they 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 were they were dragged to the meat grinder coming into the Pac-8. And but you know they've done they've done well. They've been a wonderful uh, ASU and U- UA, great additions to the Pac-10, not the Pac-12. Yeah, no, that's, I'm glad we didn't let them in easy. That's good. No, heck no. And I and we were like I think we were like 15 point underdogs at home. Ooh, disrespectful. So we totally. Totally. And, uh, but it was fun, a memorable game for sure. Okay. I have a, another question about a memorable game. So you led yeah. the Cougars to a massive upset over the number 15 ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers in 1977. What was that day like? Did you guys expect to win or was it? You know, I, I would say, yeah, we did expect to win. That was the amazing part. And that was, that was, we were uh, being coached by Warren Powers. Powers came to us. He was the, I think, a co-defensive coordinator from Nebraska. Oh, okay. The year before. Mm-hmm. And so when Coach Powers came, he brought a, a few Nebraska uh, coaches with him. Young coaches that were, you know, rising, you know. Rising stars. You're getting their start in the coaching. But they had 
they all had Nebraska background, like Jim Jim uh, Walden. He was coaching for Powers in Nebraska. So we had a bunch of coaches on our squad that knew everything about Nebraska. When they first came on board, they they knew we were playing Nebraska the first game, and they did a masterful job of preparing our team, you know, to get to play Nebraska in Nebraska. Uh, we had posters of, uh, you know, the Nebraska stadium in, in our locker room. I mean, we had mentally, you know, we were visualizing, uh, Coach Power did that. And, you know, we, he had us visualize going into that stadium and, you know, coming out with a victory. And he um, did that. Yeah. And, you know, when we flew the, uh, when we flew that Friday to go to Nebraska, we had a chartered jet, of course. And, and when we got to Lake Nebraska, he had the pilot go around circle the stadium and then turn around and go the other way. So that both sides of the, you know, the plane could see into the, into the stadium. And, you know, just to help, you know, finish that visualization, you know, it's like we'd been there before. And so the next morning, Saturday morning, as we got ready for the, uh, you know, the day of the game, he had the team together and he held up a newspaper front page and had a, a corn husker, you know, a caricature of a corn husker dragging a beat up cougar, you know, and, and in the background, they had the um, scoreboard reading something like 42 to 20. Cause we we're 15, like you said, 15 point underdogs. And, but he said, see, tell me that these people don't disrespect. That's, that's a great story. Yeah, that's so awesome. We, when we went in, you know, we were, we were ready to play the Green Bay Packers. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that fired you up. Yeah, it did. It did. You were the third overall pick in the 1979 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And the NFL draft nowadays is a huge television event, jerseys, all that. What was the draft like for you? It wasn't that. <laughs> but what it was, was we, I think the, uh, the draft began at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. That was 7 a.m. Seattle time. Right. And so we, it, we had an event at my mom and dad's house and we invited like cousins, uncles and aunts and Whole friends. Families. Yeah, so everyone showed up like around 6.30, 6.45, and, and we were ready to go. But but I was projected to go number seven. Oh. Okay, To and that was the New York Giants. And if I can remember correctly, Walker, the time allotted for each pick was like five minutes. Okay. Wow, okay. that's quick. And yeah, so, you know, 7.35 was the time we were kind of, you know, said get ready for and shoot for. Well, 7.15, uh, the, the phone rang. And we had a, a camera crew, uh, I think it was King TV, Channel 5, in our house. Why King TV? Because my dad liked the announcer. And he was, he was the only one allowed into our house. Uh, my dad was funny that way. You know, so the, 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 even the, the, the camera guy wasn't ready. Oh, wow. And when the phone rang, I thought, you know, it was a, it was a prank phone call. I, I, I thought it was, it was my buddy, you know. And yeah. so, sure enough, I, I answered the phone, and it was a lady. Thing, you know, she's a, a secretary for Paul Brown, the, the NFL or the Hall of Fame. Legendary. Legendary coach and owner, uh, Paul Brown. And uh, I said, come on. I, I think I said something like, come on, Dwight. Dwight was my friend, right? This isn't funny, Dwight. And she goes, excuse me? <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. She goes, uh, please hold the line. Mr. Coach Brown would like to talk to you. Then I, then I, I, I said to myself, whoa, this is real. This isn't a joke anymore. No, this is a joke. And then Coach Brown gets on the phone. Everyone back then knew how Coach Brown, you know, sounded. 
and there's no faking him. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is really happening. And, and I remember the cameraman who caught on, he was catching on that this wasn't a joke. He turned on the camera. He's on the other side of the camera. He's saying, smile, smile, you know, at least smile, you know, because I was, I was kind of caught by it. And so then I smiled and it, it hit me and, and it was very exciting to certainly talk to coach Brown and, and he says, get ready because uh, we'd like to fly you to Cincinnati tomorrow. Wow. So, That's quick. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, my draft day. And it was, it was fun. It was, it was a great day. That is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You got picked four places earlier. One complain about that. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean, it, that, that pick really surprised the NFL because everyone was, um, in fact, gosh, there was a tight end, Kellen Winslow. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he was projected to be picked by uh, Cincinnati, you know, it just didn't happen. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful because Cincinnati is, um, was a great place. And uh, I'm, I'm just sorry that I didn't, I didn't finish it out there because I really, you know, the teammates there that I made, the friends that I made rather uh, in my teammates, um, lifelong, life lasting to this day. I still, I still hear from them. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You're from American Samoa and that Island has, ton I've had tons of skilled football players come through like yourself, Dem, Madago, Paco, uh, Cougar, another Cougar, Frankie Luvu. How important is football culture to that island? How important is it? Yeah, like what, what is it, what role does it play and what was, what was football like then? Back when I, I left uh, American Samoa when I was four and grew up, you know, here in Seattle, in White Center. Gosh, you know, when I was growing up, there were, football was not, not really a big thing. In fact, rugby has always been a major sport down there, volleyball. But I'd say when I got into college, there was a, there were like trickles. I view it like little waves, you know, hitting, lapping the, the seashore of Polynesian players. Back when 1963, 64, I have a cousin named Baba Pisa, who was an All-American fullback at Michigan State University. And his team gained national prominence when they played against Notre Dame. You know, it was a, the national championship game type of thing. And, and uh, my dad, who knew Bob, you know, he got everyone together and we watched it. And he was like, we were amazed. And really, the, for, for me, my memory is the first time I, I, I realized that, you know, there's a Samoan playing. Uh, and this is major college football, right? So that was kind of uh, just, you know, little waves hitting the seashore and but my when i came through it was like the second wave but it was more of a tidal wave because we had guys in my class uh my generation guys like um mosi tatupu uh manutu asoko frank manmaliunga terry tautolo john tautolo Pete pelly they're they're all down in california but it was a, a very substantial wave. And Wilson Fomana, who played at San Jose State University, first round draft pick, I believe, for Atlanta Falcons before me. And so this next wave, or, you know, it was a tidal wave. And that, Walker, is, I think, what really helped catapult the football movement in American Samoa. That's just my opinion. And a lot of guys in my generation, Eddie Emo, who played, he was a five foot, he was like 5'10", 300-pound nose guard Wow! At San, at San Diego State University. And, you know, a lot of these guys who played down at UCLA, down in California, when they finished their college ball, they went back to American Samoa. Oh. 
as coaches. Oh. Yeah. And so, okay. so they, they are the ones that I give them a lot of credit. They, they were the ones that really set the hooks deep into the culture back there of this sport called football. And it overtook rugby, you know, that, which was a, a sport that our people gravitated to because it was very physical, right? Mm-hmm. If you go back to American Samoa and then you go back to the island nation of Samoa, another island, you know, the island nation of Samoa, it's rugby. And they sent a lot of people to New Zealand to play for the All Black. I think that's when the American football really took hold for the long term back in American Samoa. And, and thus you have waves, more waves. It's, it's become a tsunami, Samoans and, and Polynesians for that matter, into the game of uh, football. Yeah, no, I, was, oh, I hadn't thought about that. That makes a ton of sense though. The players come back and be coaches that work through teaching them. Yeah. You, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. You know, candidly, I, I, I've been back to American Samoa several times and and the conditions there are so tough. I mean, you know, they're some some of the kids are practicing barefoot, barefooted, yeah. you know, and it's and given all that they've done for the game of football, into the college ranks and and on into the NFL, yeah. you know, I I would love it to see the NFL going back there and at least build a you know a stadium with a field turf. Yeah, no. So these kids aren't playing, you know, on, you know, just the, the horrendous conditions. I mean, you're not asking for much. No, heck no. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of current players and, and just recent retired players like Troy Polamalu. Don't you know, say that. Yeah, we, you know, they, they all get it. And we just need to marshal the forces and get it done. There's a professor I had last year, last semester at WSU. Uh, he's a sports management teacher, uh, Scott. I don't remember his last name. But he had a speaker come in to talk about the pipeline, as they called it, to America. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard. Yeah, it was really interesting. It opened up. I Obviously, everyone knows Troy Polamalu and all that. But it really opened up my eyes towards the conditions that are playing at. And so are you ready for the speed round? Okay, I'll do my best. Yeah. All right. These were um, the first question I came up with. But then your son, Tony, actually sent me something to ask you. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. He did? He did? Yeah. yeah. Oh. He messaged me uh, when I asked if he, he, well, first of all, he asked if I'd want to interview and I said yes. And then he said, I have some speed round questions. So these are all set in by him. I don't know how speedy the, uh, my answers will be, but uh, I'm game. Let's go for it. Yeah. All right. Cougar gold or Ferdinand's ice cream? Ferdinand's ice cream. What flavor? The Huckleberry. That's my favorite. Thank you. First person to say oh, that. So milkshake. Good. Milkshake. I haven't had the milkshake. I've just had the ice cream. I'm sure yeah. it tastes the same. Absolutely. Barry White or Stevie Wonder? Barry White. Okay. Barry White's the man. I love Stevie Wonder, but it's Barry White, that voice. Right. Who would play you in a movie? Who would play me in the movie? The Rock, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My, minus 35 pounds and a lot less muscle. And with Rock a fro. Him. And put a fro on him. Yep. Your, your son, I said he thought Mark Ruffalo should play you. Mark Ruffalo? Yeah. Not when he blows up as the Hulk, right? Uh, just, no. well, Mark Ruffalo, that's interesting. That sounds like a question my son would come up with. Then these are, I was Ferdinand's, the rest were him. Well, classic, okay. Favorite movie snack? Popcorn. Popcorn, okay. Lots of butter. Lots of butter, okay. Solid. All right, those are all my questions, thank you. Serious? Yeah. Oh, wow, here I was pitting out, just, uh, you know, worried about what these questions are. That was good, I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for coming on. This is so much fun.
Listen, I love him. Walker, Unbelievable. but he looked like he was 18 Listen, or 19. He looked like a young guy. Ben, yeah. you should have done this guy right. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want no, me to do here? I mean, I, mean, I get him a prostitute? What do you 